Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Hello. On the program today, one of my favorite drummers of all time, Britt Walford from Louisville, Kentucky. Used to play in a band called Slint. Still sometimes plays with Slint. He's got a new band out called Water. They just put out a record called This World. And this conversation is ostensibly about that. But we also get into a bunch of other stuff. Lots of stuff about Slint and growing up in Louisville. We talked about the Misfits and Sam Hain and special numbers. Will Oldham comes up briefly. The new Slint documentary, Breadcrumb Trail, which is really fascinating and revealing. And uh, just a whole bunch of other stuff, too. Slint box set. Talk a lot about the Slint box set. Bob Weston and his job remastering Spiderland, the 1991. Oh, that's the box set. Sorry. It's really a box about uh, Spiderland. Anyway, good conversation. And, uh, you know, Brian McMahon of Slint was on the show. If you follow the show, he was on just a few months ago, and that was, that was an interesting conversation. This is a nice kind of follow-up for me. So, if you're a fan of Slint, or even if you're not, you will learn things. Here it is, myself and Britt Walford. Hey, this week's episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero. For my money, the best pizza you can eat in Guelph, Ontario. A proud, independent family business run by a punk rocker, Trocadero only uses a rich array of fresh ingredients cut by hand and homemade dough made daily, all baked to perfection inside of a stone oven. It's gourmet panzerotti, calzones, wings, salads, garlic bread, breadsticks, and oh man, the pizza, the pizza, personally... I like the gourmet Domateo with goat cheese, artichoke, roasted red pepper, mushrooms. I sub out the turkey breast for eggplant, but that's just me. Wash the whole thing down with a brio. Man, I am getting hungry just talking about this. Call Pizza Trocadero at 519-829-2444. Visit them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph and online at trocaderoguelph.ca. T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O. G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A That's Pizza Trocadero A place of the good trade
Britt Walford is a world-renowned drummer who lives in Louisville, Kentucky. In the 1980s, he played in notable bands like Squirrelbait, Maurice, and for a spell, in The Breeders. Walford is best known, though, as a founding member of Slint, who initially had a short lifespan, but whose second LP, 1991 Spiderland, is easily one of the most enigmatic and greatest American rock albums of the 20th century. Spiderland was recently reissued in a super deluxe limited edition box set, prompting Slint to do a small run of American and Canadian shows. At around the same time, a new band featuring Walford and multi-instrumentalists Zach Riles and Tyler Trotter surfaced with a new album of their own. The band is Water, and their latest record is a sprawling, ambient, post-rock thing called This World, which is out now via Temporary Residence. Here now to discuss some of these things is Britt Walford. Uh, hello, Britt. How are you? Hi. Doing good, thanks. Now, where in the world are you, Britt? I am in Louisville, Kentucky. Nice. Are you outside? I heard a crow. I, I hear birds screaming. <laughs> yes, that's what we do here. <laughs> you make the birds scream. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I want to ask you, first of all, about water, uh, how it came to be, uh, where it came from, uh, how you guys came together. Can you tell us a little bit about this band? Um, Zach and Tyler were had been playing together for about a year or or a little more when I uh, met them and kind of uh, just, you know, we talked about, Tyler invited me to come play with them sometime, and so then I did, and um, yeah, that was pretty much how we came together. They were, they were already, you know, had already started working on most of the songs that ended up being uh, on the record. And did they play in a band together before? Uh, I don't think so, no. Okay. They have the, but they have been in bands themselves that people might know. Yeah, Zach is in Grails, mm -hmm. and uh, Tyler was in a band uh, called Strike here in Louisville. Sorry, what was the name? Uh, Strike City. Oh, okay. And and you were familiar with both their projects? Um, I was familiar with Grails. I wasn't familiar with Strike City. Okay. Do you consider yourself sort of plugged into whatever's happening in the Louisville music community or scene these days? Um, no, not really. I mean, I, I'm a little more aware than I've been uh, at times over the years. Uh, so... There's definitely some bands here that I uh, really like seeing, and and I have been going to see more shows lately. Um, there's like really cool places to play in town these days, and uh, actually a lot of bands from out of town come through, which is a pretty new thing in Louisville. So. It's not. It's not generally a destination people put on their uh, tour tour itineraries. I suppose. Yeah. It, it in the past it wasn't. Hmm. And and how? When did that start to change? Would you figure? Um, man, maybe a lot in the past five years or so. Hmm. Not that long. So is there more of a like local music? infrastructure so to speak are there more people putting on shows i mean that's probably a big part of it yeah 
yeah, there's definitely like uh, more venues now. And, and some really cool ones. Okay, cool. Now, the sounds on the album are, are pretty fascinating. It has these elements of ambient soundscape, jazz, punk, also inventive folk and primitivism. Uh, how would you describe Water and, and what drew you three together to make this particular music? That's that's a pretty good description, I think. I, I mean, I think that um, definitely like some uh, Krautrock stuff, has influenced those guys and uh, other stuff of which I'm not as familiar. Uh, as far as um, how the... Did you ask how the the kind of music came about? Or? Yeah, in a sense. I mean, you, you described earlier how you, you kind of met, but I'm just curious what drew you together uh, musically. Um... Man, we really just started playing together and kind of clicked, you know. Hmm. At, at least I really clicked with those guys. Like, I just liked how they did things. We seemed to, you know, speak the same language. And are you, are you, are you primarily playing drums? Are you offering insights in other ways? Um... Primarily just drums and, you know, when we like arrange things and mix things, sometimes, um, you know, I would have an opinion there. Um, I think that Tyler and Zach did most of the arranging and mixing like on their own. Hmm. Uh, so they are really responsible for most of the record and also Zach uh, did some songs that are, that are more his songs although I guess Tyler played on most of those too um, where there aren't drums you know so that was done kind of with not a whole lot of uh, input for me Okay, so did you kind of come into this process a little bit later? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Definitely. Okay, and so you... It was, it, it, did the collaboration stem from just, like, hanging out and meeting them, or had you had they kind of been like, hey, Britt, like, we've been working on this stuff. Check it out. What do you think? And then you were like, yeah, I actually think I want to join in here. Um... Yeah, it was kind of like that, except for when I joined, the songs really were more just like one or two riffs. They hadn't, you know, and that's the thing about the band is a lot of the songwriting happens after the recording. So that was kind of a funny thing for me with those guys is just we would play and they'd be like, OK, that's great. You know, we can that's that's good we'll we'll take it from there <laughs> like you know and i'm just used to getting everything worked out and playing live and you know and that being the bulk of the song huh. whereas they kind of you know the recording is really just the the beginning of actually 
uh, you know, arranging and writing the song. Interesting. So you basically, but so you would go. That's that's fascinating to me. They they basically just took uh, whatever you came up with uh, to their recordings. I guess. Like, I mean, how much of it was you live playing together, and how much was it uh, you playing to things they'd established, and then them sort of piecing it together to make songs. I th- I think. I think a lot of it would be we would play together, but then they would redo some of their parts. So it was kind of like a scratch situation. And then um, there were times when I played to a recording. um, And there were times where we used like what we played live more than just the drums right and and have you you guys have played some shows now right yeah a few yes and and how has that experience been uh it's been fun it's been really cool uh yeah it's those guys they've i kind of like marvel at how much they have to do to to make all that music you know live They've got a lot of, you know, a lot of things to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, in terms of manipulating things or uh, just like they've got a lot of gear on stage? Is that what you mean? Yeah, they they have a lot of sounds to reproduce. And are you then just mostly playing a, a more, mostly a conventional drum kit? Yeah. Yep. And they've got all this other stuff going on. Yes. <laughs> and so you mentioned Krautrock. Is that that's where you would suggest is like a launching point for this band? Like it, for the for someone who hasn't heard this Water record, you would suggest, well, there's uh, maybe maybe starting with this idea of Krautrock makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And are there common uh, artists that you two, uh, you you three rather gravitated towards? Um. I think like Cluster, um, those guys are really into Tangerine Dream, and I just haven't heard much Tangerine Dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I know Cluster is one that we all like and can, and um, yeah, I'm not sure of others. That's fair. That's fair. Well, when's the last time you were in a proper band, Britt? Um, I guess it was in the 90s, uh, a band here in town called Evergreen. This was a band you also kind of joined a bit later in the game? Yep. <laughs> so uh, your role seems to be coming in and saving the band. Whatever band you're in, you come in at the last minute and you swoop in and, and, and everything's better. Ah, uh, man. I, well, I think, um, like, you know, it seems like Evergreen, and I don't know. I, I mean, I, yeah, it seems like Evergreen and Water could, could both have different drummers. Uh, and um, the Breeders was, like, totally, I mean, they, yeah, they had written most of the songs, but we really collaborated a lot on on that record hmm. kind of you know wrote them 
after I was in the band or not, you know, like kind of finished them, I guess. Um, so, yeah. You're kind of used to coming in, though, after a band maybe has established its voice, uh, which is different than probably some of the other bands you've been in, like uh, like Slint or... I mean, was that the sim- was that similar for Squirrel Bait or... I mean, you joined Maurice Slate, too, didn't you? Uh, no. I, yeah, well, kind of, yeah, Maurice was kind of a different band, and then I joined that. I mean, that was more just like, you know little kids <laughs> craziness but uh um yeah i mean <clears throat> i do like playing with you know different kind of music and stuff so yeah. so the last band you were in really before water i mean you've had some recurring activity in slint and you've collaborated with others uh, but the last band you were in was like maybe 20 years ago um yeah yes i think so right so i guess the obvious question is what were you doing uh beyond music in that time and and maybe also why do you suppose you weren't in bands as someone who has been in a number of bands and was quite prolific why why would you have taken a break so to speak um well i do think it's kind of can be hard to find people to play with you know what i mean or not i guess you could make it happen but um maybe i haven't been as good at just making stuff happen and and so i mean in some sense i've heard other people say yeah it's can be you know it's a pretty special thing when you find people to play with and um and then i don't know i like always come up with stuff on my own but never get you know beyond the initial idea stage and uh, that just seems like a uh, not enough inspiration or something so um, yeah did the way did the way that slint kind of ended which is still I, I mean it just sort of stopped I guess of it the momentum just sort of stopped after you'd made Spiderland, but that did that impact you in any profound way in terms of your willingness to work with people and you know invest that time and that mental energy into being in bands? Um, I guess it could have maybe like maybe dissuaded me from like really going out there and you know trying something like totally brand new. Um, but yeah, I'm not really sure. Hmm. It's, it's, it might just be happenstance that you have taken the breaks you've taken and played when you've played. Yeah. I mean, I think just what I was saying before, as far as like inspiration probably had, had a lot to do with it also. Okay. And did you have, have you had other creative outlets or have you been working uh, in other fields in the last uh, couple of decades? Um, I had a daughter 11 years ago and I have gone to uh, university in the past five years, which has been really awesome. Hmm. Uh, so I've done those things. 
Well, congratulations on both. Uh, what What are you taking in school, or what have you taken in school? Um, uh, a I worked on an undergraduate humanities degree, um, which yeah, I'm almost finished with. Uh, yes. That's at the is that the University of Kentucky or? Uh, University of Louisville. Louisville. Oh, sorry. Okay, there you go. Oh, that, that sounds cool. Uh, any particular? I took a uh, English. I took two. I did two English degrees. And uh, yeah, it was fun. I did a I did a master's and an undergrad. It was good. And then I I did those in Guelph where I am. And uh, I don't know. I had particular. There were things I had to focus on. Did you have particular things you focus on in a in a humanities degree? Are there particular uh, you know fields or realms that you're interested in? Yeah, yeah. You picked two, and I picked uh, literature and art history. Nice. And any particular eras or focus? Um. I guess I probably have studied uh, more modern art history, but it wasn't like a period. Uh, I can't remember what they call that right now. It was um, it was like broader than just one specific area. Oh, okay, that's cool. And so you're enjoying it? Yeah. Yes, a lot. You, you, you. As I recall, you tried to go to school did you go to two different schools and and post-secondary schools and sort of stop i went to one yeah one sorry okay and you just you bailed for music basically right yeah and i didn't really understand the whole concept of college at that time like somebody years later explained it to me and i was like oh okay that sounds pretty cool (laughs) like when i went i thought it was just I didn't know any kind of reasoning behind it, so I just thought it was a, like a scam or just kind of dumb, like, you know, status quo kind yeah. of yeah. machine. And someone explained what to you, that it wasn't that? <laughs> yeah, they they said, you know, well, it's a kind of a Greek concept where you go and you study all that there is to know at this time, like, broadly, and then... Um, you kind of choose an area to go a little bit more in depth in. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds, that makes sense, you know. Right. That's cool. That's good that you came up with that realization. Um, I want to delve into your your past a little bit more. Do you remember what it was that first sparked your interest in music? Um, yeah, I think my dad uh, used to play piano all the time at home. And so I would, I got really charged up by a lot of it. And uh, he played like Beethoven um, and a lot of other classical composers. Okay. And it was, and did that spur you into playing right away or were you just appreciating the, hearing the sound? Um, Yeah, I did appreciate it. And then um, I did start piano lessons when I was pretty young. And how far did you go with those? Uh, I played all the way uh, through high school. So. Okay. And and uh, and when did you pick up drums? Because as I say, you're primarily known as a drummer. Hmm. Um. Yeah. That was when I was eleven. Eleven. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That was like um, Brian. 
McMahon, who's also in Slint, uh, was in a band with some other people that I met at that time at school and um, like we just kind of started playing with them. Okay, and your and your family, your parents in particular, weren't only tolerant and patient with your music interests. They they were quite encouraging, right? Um Yeah, they I mean, they they just thought it was okay, you know, like they would take us to shows and they uh, eventually let us start practicing there and uh they definitely like let us do it hmm. you know yeah yeah no it's it's very cool do you remember what the first shows you attended were like did you remember your parents dropping you off at the at the shows and what what they were yeah man definitely the first show was this show called rock against racism uh in downtown louisville uh at an old place called the old galt house it was an old hotel and uh there was like some people who I went to school with because I went to a school where like the grades went from third grade through 12th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, you know, I guess a punk rock show and in, in Louisville kind of pretty arty. And, and there was, all different kinds of people there. There was super big people and like pretty scary people. And but but my uh, my dad and our friend Ed Oldham's dad and maybe Brian's dad they they stayed at the show. So that was the first one I ever went to. And and, and you mentioned there were bigger bands and and different bands. Who were the bands that made an impression on you at that show? Actually, it was it was just big people, like big tall guys and stuff. Um, oh, I see. But um, David Grubbs—I don't know if it was his first band, but um, uh, man, I'll, I'll have to like—I can't think of the name right now for some reason. Uh, they played, and then uh, a band called. Uh, I think your food played that show. Uh, man, I'm having trouble. Who else played that show at this time? That's okay. That's okay. I can probably look it up. I was just curious if uh, seeing your first show, you know, how it made an impact on you as a player, maybe, or, or as a fan. Yeah, man, it was it was really exciting. I mean, like, it was just so exciting. Like the the music hear like people would just be like whoa you know really just flipping out you know Hmm. so uh i think we were really excited about it and uh actually actually i think uh yeah languid and flaccid the first band i was in they played that show because i wasn't in the band oh was that was really cool to see all the older people like watching this, you know, these young people. Uh, I can see how that would make an impression on you. And and yet, and I, I have no thesis here, but it's yet another example of, of a band that you eventually joined. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I just I keep noticing that as a, as a slight pattern. It's interesting. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting that you are evil thief. No, no, I think it's that you're you're you clearly <laughs> have things to contribute to these bands, but um you you mentioned this earlier about what's been going on the past couple decades. Perhaps you don't <clears throat> have the drive or initiative to actually start something, but once it's established, you contribute greatly to it or something. Yeah, just I mean, I definitely used to like work on music a lot and then bring it to band practice and work on it a lot more and something about doing that by myself is such a letdown compared to working with other people or something hmm. and that could be not only on a creative level but i mean do you actually appreciate the social aspect of being in a band yeah yeah i think a lot yeah yeah yeah. You mentioned uh, punk rock there in, in your discussion of Rock Against Racism, that show you went to. At some point, you became a pretty massive Misfits fan and a Samhain fan, is that right? Uh-huh, and yeah. And I'm curious what those bands meant to kids like you in Louisville. Uh, it definitely meant a lot to some. Uh, I'm not sure how that you know fell like with who and where but uh yeah that was definitely we were super into the misfits and then sam hain you know some of us were also uh i guess that felt kind of like post hardcore which that was kind of the big change when we were really young first it was more like you know arty punk rock and then hardcore seemed a little different although like the same people would come to the shows for the most part or some of the time so yeah one of the reasons i ask is because my understanding is that uh well actually i'll just flat out ask you are, are these bands the reason why you would have bonded with people like will oldham as well yeah he was he he wasn't around as much in at that time he was he was Ned's younger brother. He's my age, but we didn't hang out like he kind of did his own thing. Okay, so you didn't know him super well. Yeah, not until later, and then, then we got to be much better friends. But it sort of has come to pass that you probably were in the same room watching Sam Hain or The Misfits at some point. Oh, totally. Yeah. By the time, by the time we were into Sam Hain, Will was definitely. Uh, definitely involved in our group. So what what was it about Sam Hain and and those folks that sort of resonated with you? Uh, man, I'm sure just what the same thing that resonates with a lot of people, you know, just the gothic or whatever it is. Uh, I mean good songs you know liked his voice and the drumming <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. there is kind of am i wrong that some of some aspects of you know some iconography some numerology that is associated with those groups has carried over in your work other in other places uh 
Hmm. I mean, it's always just been kind of a a pet thing, I guess. There's the the new Slint Spiderland box set had a limited edition of three thousand one hundred and thirty-eight. Yeah. What is why is that? What does that mean? Uh <laughs> it's just like a throwback basically. Right, it's a throwback to what? I see I asked Brian this and he would not tell me and he told me to look on the internet and I looked a little bit and I'm still thrown. And I and I figured since you and I are speaking now, maybe you can open the door for me here and just explain because I I'm sure I just missed something. I know there's something here. And I thought it was maybe connected to the Misfit Sam Hain stuff. Let's see. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, I think, I mean, you're picking up on something there. I would, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Brian said. You're on to something. It's a riddle. It's a mystery. You don't want to tell me. All right. I got to keep digging here. All right. Th- that's fair. But there's, is there, can you at least tell me, is there some through line between... Misfit Sam Hain and you guys in terms of that numerology thing? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I can see the same things that you can see right now. Oh, man. All right. This is, it's like I'm a, I gotta become a crime fighter to figure this out. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna solve this, I think. It's gonna take up most of my day, but I'm gonna figure this out. Now, in the recent documentary Breadcrumb Trail about Slint, it's revealed that you once defecated inside of a cup that once held someone's drink in it. And I'm curious if you can walk us through that story and also explain what it's like to defecate inside of a cup. Uh, it's pretty much just just how it was told, I think. <laughs> I, it, it seems like an odd... Uh, what, what really comes through in this film is that you had a very wild and silly side to you. As a kid, do you, are you suppressing that now? Is that just something that was a, a result of adolescence? Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I'd say I was influenced uh, by other people as well. But um, just ba- same as anybody else, I think, you know. Now you say same as anybody else, but I... I actually know someone who did something very similar to you. I, I think yeah. that impulse <laughs> is not necessarily the same as anyone else. Did you get that idea from someone? Uh, no. It was just, you know, just another uh, contribution to the canon of joking around, you know, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Did you have, um, do, or do you, or did you have particular heroes in the realm of comedy? Well, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess, uh, I, I mean, not, not particularly, I wasn't like a comic buff for sure. Uh, I think some of my friends were more, uh, but, uh, I guess my grandfather, he was a big, just kind of funny person. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. Okay, so it might also be a familial thing. It seems like a lot of your influences are actually within your own family. Uh, yeah, that's I think so too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are, are the it's always refreshing when people who make music that could be construed as serious turn out to be kind of fun, have great senses of humor. Are you finding that in Water as well? Water, I would suggest, maybe makes a serious kind of music, but do you, do you find that there's a lot of you know, you're obviously getting along with everyone, but do you, do people like to have fun in this band? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool to to meet. I mean, I guess it's the same. I don't know why it seems that way, but when you're younger and you meet kind of like like-minded people or people you have things in common with, it does seem kind of... I think, you know, like, oh, wow, there's, it's really neat, you know, like, it's not just everybody, you know, there's just certain people you kind of have common interests with and, um, and hit hit it off with, um, but then, like, meeting younger people that way seems kind of more surprising for some reason to me just because it seems like a lot of the younger people have just been kind of uh not not had common interests or hit it off with and i guess it's just maybe maybe it's just because you expect you like all younger people like oh they're they're cool <laughs> you know they're, but then some of them you know, don't end up are just as different from you as you know older people. Hmm. Is there a significant age gap between you and uh, Tyler and Zach? It doesn't really seem like it, actually, um, at all. But I mean, they they are a little younger, like so they're kind of part of a different uh, generation here in Louisville. Hmm. And are they, they they're they're obviously were aware of your work uh, before they uh, before you guys started collaborating. But uh, are they from Louisville? Were they familiar with? Are they intimately firsthand knowledge of the history of that uh, city and the music there? Um, definitely Tyler and both Zach and Tyler. Maybe not quite as much Zach because Zach came from a different place. He grew up in Florida and then spent. Um, <clears throat> a lot of time here as a young person. I think he moved here when he was 13. I could oh, okay. be wrong with that, though. Um, so, 
he had like I think maybe he had heard Slint before he moved here. Uh, so yeah. But you, you haven't talked too much about it. Um, like with each other, you haven't really been. <laughs> it's, not, it's not probably something that you would articulate necessarily to one another. As far as like familiarity with each other's work, like do you have conversations about uh, your your uh, appreciation of what they've done in their past and? And, and did it happen sort of vice versa? Yeah, definitely. Um, we have had conversations like that, yeah. Okay. For years, it seemed that Slint was always going to be this mysterious band that few people knew a whole lot about. And that's changed over the last little while. I mentioned this very revealing and excellent documentary, Breadcrumb Trail, about the band and about Louisville uh, at the time that you guys were together. Um, I'm curious, what, what has sort of prompted you all to open up a little bit more about uh, what I what I what I described earlier as a something of a mysterious band um what what prompted us to yeah I mean I understand Lance Bangs asked you to participate in this documentary but um after so long and I, I might be wrong about this but from my perspective as a fan of the band I mean I didn't really know a whole lot until recently about how the band functioned, where it came from, why it went away, that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, man, yeah, it was just totally because Lance hung around and, you know, asked us questions, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... That's definitely the only impetus, you know, or the only reason we did i guess so over the years no one has taken as much uh, of an interest in finding these things out the, the way lance has yeah uh yeah absolutely it's interesting oh and, and it was so it wasn't out of some you weren't you didn't have any aversion to talking about these things mm, i no i didn't huh that's interesting it's just interesting that no one <laughs> Because <laughs> you've done interviews over the last little while, right? I mean, did you? Have you uh, done? Not really. No, huh. I don't think so. Um, maybe, a, maybe a few with Evergreen. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't recall any. Okay, so you. It wasn't a purposeful sort of shutting people out. You just no one approached you. Yeah, I think so. Huh. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, what role did you actually have in the Spiderland reissue? Um, just like, um, I was kind of working on it with Todd and Brian and Dave, uh, but Todd Brashear, the, uh, bass player, um, on... Spiderland, he he kind of uh, took the helm, or you know, was the manager of it. And that's was that simply because he was the most interested in doing it or invested in it somehow, or was it just because that just that role just fell upon him? Um, he he volunteered to do it, you know, to kind of take it on and and be the person that was gonna basically like you know be responsible for making sure something came out of it 
Right. Okay. And and your role was essentially <laughs> advisory then. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, curiously, and correct me if I'm wrong, but has Todd participated? Todd hasn't really participated in any of the reunion activity, right? Yeah, he, I mean, he hadn't. He hasn't like at at the beginning. He he was part of us thinking about doing it, and he thought about doing it, and then every time he's decided that he you know can't do it, he isn't able to. Hmm. Is that's just simply as a player? He's just not comfortable, or uh, it's no. I think it's it's most, if not all, or most of it. I, I think it's just his uh, other commitments. Oh, okay, okay. Does he play music still? Um, he does a little bit. Yeah. Um. Yep. Just in town. Yeah. Okay. And so there's no the, you, when you you most recently did a whole whack of shows, and he contemplated it like you probably were like you should do this and <laughs> he was just like no I can't I can't get out of what I'm working on is that basically what's up? Yep. Huh? Is it weird playing without him? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing. You would think that, you know, well. Somebody can just play bass lines, but I mean, it's like, it's, you know, it's really, really, really been a, a big, a big change, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's also interesting that he had such a huge role in the making of this reissue and he appears in the film, but uh, isn't really part of what I assume are, I mean, I assume that these most recent shows that you've been playing together are kind of celebratory, right? Um, I don't, it doesn't really feel different than what we've been doing. Like I, I, um, I mean, for me, it's just been a, a journey of, uh, playing the music again. It just, it, uh, it's definitely like, I'm just now being like, oh, okay. I think I kind of. I, you know, have it now again. <laughs> like, so, right, right. uh, you know, I don't know if we had just played solidly all at one time, I guess it would have happened then. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's kind of- I, I think, I, I think I hear where you're, where you're coming from. Um, in terms of the box set, the, the reissue, what, what did you actually make of the final, uh, final version of it? Man, like, I think, like, every one of us was just like, man, this is great. Like, we got the um, proofs for the, like, artwork, the the packaging itself, the box itself. And, man, we were really just impressed and liked it a whole lot. Like, um so yeah, I was really, really excited about that. That's awesome. It's great. Now you've subsequently the band has decided to release sort of the individual components of the box set uh, into the world uh, because basically all three thousand one hundred and thirty-eight boxes were sold out pretty quickly. Did that surprise you? 
Um, yeah, it it did. It kind of did. I mean, it did. Like we wouldn't. We you know we tried to pick a number that would be the right number, not too few and not too many, because um, we didn't want to have a bunch of them, you know, sitting around. Hmm. So um, we were pretty surprised. And again, this is uh, the better part of my day will be spent trying to figure this out, but 3,138, that's significant. Um, you, yeah, I mean, you, you have all the information at your command. Yeah, 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 I guess I do. I guess I do. Um, <laughs> are there particular, we were talking earlier about, um, how this Lance Bangs and and the and making the the film Breadcrumb Trail may have been one of the first instances where someone approached you uh, with questions about the band and and one of the reasons you opened up was because someone finally asked you I guess but within the packaging you've also revealed a lot about the band's process there are demos there are rarities can you talk about the rationale behind putting that stuff out? Um. I mean, I think that Todd is Todd is a I mean, you know, it's kind of boring, but um Todd is a pretty like avid record collector. He he has been at times, so he's a lot more familiar with box sets and he was the person that was like, "Yeah, we should put extra stuff in there and I think I know I at least was like, man, there, we don't have anything that, you know, anybody would want to hear just wouldn't seem like, a, you know, uh, a joke to put in there. So it ended up being pretty neat, you know, I thought. Yeah. And did it help you in revisiting the album kind of figure out like you've had to revisit it both as a player and as someone putting something out, I guess, like did going back. First of all, I mean, who's the archivist? Or do you have all those tapes of band recordings and things like that? Or rather, practices? Um, mm, I don't think so. I do have... I had some of it, and then, yeah, Todd and Brian had some. Right. Um, and, and so going through that stuff again, did that provide any particular insights and in where you are where you are now with the band well i i think like the movie definitely did like it just showed me like to what degree it was like a collaboratory thing and were there things, I mean, again, you know, sometimes when you're in a band or working on any kind of project together, you don't stop and talk too much about what it is you're doing or how it came to be. Were there things about the film, or rather, were there things said in the film by your bandmates or by other people that surprised you in any way? Were there conversations that you never had that kind of, well, I suppose not conversations, but were there sentiments expressed in the film that you hadn't encountered before? Uh, yeah, I think there were. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, yes. Any, any in particular that, uh, you'd like to share anything that you thought was particularly insightful for yourself? 
Um, well, let's see. I guess just Dave talking about my contribution to the band and Todd talking about how we were kind of um, out of our minds or something. I never really thought about it. <laughs> what, what, what was it that they each said in particular that uh, you're referring to there? Out of your minds? I don't even remember that part. You thought... Yeah, he just said we, we would just play something like till the end of time. And it's like, obviously, I don't think we're out of our minds. It sounds like I'm, you know an idiot for making anything out of it, I guess, but, um, or just, you know, whatever. Um, but I don't know. I just, I just never even thought about it. I guess that, that it was weird at all that we would just play stuff as long as we would. You would play like a part or like you would work on a song for hours, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how some bands practice. Yeah. Have you yeah. Been, have you been in other bands that, when you've played in, like Slint was, Slint was a bit different than any of the other projects you were in. In that, in a sense, it was one. It was basically your project, or your, you know, you were a co-founder right from the beginning. In working with other bands and practicing with them and collaborating with them, did you notice a great distinction between how they operate and how you would operate in Slint? Uh, yeah. I mean, it just seemed more like more the other people's thing, you know, at least before water. Um, and I, I like that a lot, you know, like I like playing with the breeders or evergreen and, um, it just seemed more like their thing whereas slint was more like well this is what i do you know mm -hmm. and would they would they spend as much time on a song as you would have in slint uh the breeders was kind of simple but it, it wasn't it wasn't as just riff based like not as much time right okay so it's, it's fair to say that todd might have been onto something in terms of how much effort you would put into one song yeah, yeah, that's what kind of maybe opened my eyes a little bit. Right. What were you hoping for when the band asked Bob Weston to remaster Spiderland? Uh, what, what was, you know, when you remaster a record, it's because you kind of want to correct something about uh, the original. Uh, was Did you have something in mind when you approached Bob about this? Yeah, I think we just were like, wouldn't that be awesome if it sounded better but uh, <laughs> um i think i mean we we all i think uh we we didn't like the mastering of the original so we thought it was really bad the vinyl was really awful the cd sucked so we were like oh this will be great to finally you know get a decent mastering of it and uh I thought it was it was eye opening, um, just how good the original master ended up sounding hmm. <laughs> after you know, working. 
after working with Bob? Yeah, after working on it. I mean, what Bob eventually did um, was really cool and amazing. Uh, but it took some it took some doing. It took some work, you know. Can you can you kind of explain or highlight the distinctions between the original master and what Bob has done with the reissue? Like, what what to you stands out? Uh. Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of the remaster is due to the machines that it's done on. And I've noticed similarities between the Spider-Land remaster and other remasters that I've heard, like Elton John and this band from Louisville called The End Tables that Drag City put out uh, a record of theirs recently of old stuff mm-hmm. and uh to me often like it sucks all of the emotion out of the music it's like there's this vast sa- soundscape or vaster but it doesn't things are isolated so that when the band gets loud and normally when you hear that in a room or i think like in your head, how you imagine it to sound like things get loud. They kind of, um, you know, in some way get noisier or like they rise and fall. Like in the, on the original Spider-Land, for instance, like things would rise and fall dynamically. But on a remaster, it's like, oh, look, there's a, a guitar getting loud over there. You know, it's like there's no... Everything, it's like all of the individual constituent parts have been isolated. So they're all there. But it's as if you, you know, you had a dinner that was, you know, however much basil you used, and then however much pepper was in there, and then the chicken, and all separately, you know. Um, and that, I'm really curious about that. And I'd love to talk to a mastering engineer and be like, oh, yeah, that's we I know what you mean, you know. Yeah. Because so far people haven't really seemed to have heard the same thing. So what Bob did is he started there and then, you know, gave it like life and warmth um, to my, my way of thinking. Like he... uh you know, ran it through some stuff like maybe some compression and maybe some EQ uh, that helped it a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a really nice, subtle remaster. And I think that sometimes when certain mastering engineers get a hold of something and are asked to remaster it, they kind of go to town. And mm-hmm. I think Bob did something very nuanced. Yeah. And it is it is really cool to hear the, you know, hear things more and hear the sound stages a lot bigger and, but yeah, I know I'm I'm glad that you feel that way about it. Yeah. Well, is there more slint activity coming up, as far as you're concerned? Um, we have some more shows. Um, beyond that, nothing is planned. 
and you, right and you say that you you're finally getting a handle on these old songs have you are you any closer to potentially writing together or trying to make something happen again um i'm not sure man you know we uh we've talked about it but we just haven't haven't gotten to that point and three of three of you are living in louisville right now right uh yeah. Is it Dave David's in Illinois or something like that? Yeah, he's in uh New Jersey. Oh, he's in New Jersey. Sorry. I picked the wrong state. I thought for some reason he was in <laughs> Illinois. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, this seems more promising for those of us who would be interested in hearing what the band could do now, I guess. Uh it seems like it's more feasible that something <laughs> something might happen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Leaving it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what's next for Water exactly? What uh, what do you have planned uh these are there's six songs on this really wonderful record. But what happens are there are there more songs that uh are, are being ready or being prepared? Um we are working on new material and we have uh some shows lined up uh with Ohm in the fall. The East Coast and Midwest. Right. Nothing in Canada yet. Yeah, nothing in Canada, oh, as okay. far as I know. We, we should we should fix that. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. <laughs> okay, and so uh, that's pretty much it uh, up to this point. I mean, that's that's your working life in a nutshell, right there. It is. It must feel good. It must feel good to be. Uh, do you like? Are you someone who likes touring? Yeah, I love it. I love I love playing and I love touring. So this is good. This is a nice outlet for you. Yeah, yep, All it right. is. That's great. Well, yeah. w- once again, I want to let folks know that the new album by Water is called This World, and you can learn more about it at temporaryresidence.com. And for more information about Slint, they can visit slintmusic.com. Uh, Britt, before we go, is there a song from the new Water album that uh, we can play for folks? Um, I think, uh, This World is a really good one. Okay. Any particular reason why that came to mind? Title track. You went with the title track. (laughs) Uh, I just, I really like the songs that Zach kind of wrote on there. Sorry, that who wrote? Uh, Zach. Oh, okay. This is a Zach song. Yeah. This, this is a Zach song. Okay, so we'll we'll check this out right now. This is this world from the uh, album of the same name by Water. Uh, Britt, it was really a great great pleasure to speak with you, and I thank you for your time and wish you the best of luck with everything. Thanks, thanks you too, Vish. Nice to talk to you.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.